When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. I am your host, Drew, joined by a very special first-time guest of the show. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is true. He is the first-time guest of the show. He's been on the show many times before, but as a host, Dan Sullivan, Sully, returns returns home. The prodigal son has returned to the Talking Out Loud airwaves. Sully, how the hell are you doing tonight? Man, it's funny. Uh, now that I, I've taken some time off of the podcasting game, everyone feels that it's relevant to use my government name. That's tough, man. I didn't. I didn't realize that when you get out of the game and then you come back, everyone's just throwing. They your don't love you like they used to. All over the place. Yeah, because the LaSalle guys did the same thing, and I was like, man, uh, I, you make me feel like an old man. Uh, you know, there's no more nicknames, and it does feel like I'm getting old and seasoned. But. Um, yeah, it is true. It's the first time I've been a guest on my own show. I've had lots of guests. Um, and and let's start the show here. You know, I, I have conversations with everybody about the show now. It's it's part of my identity, like, you know, making the show and then and then turning it into what it has become or or was and now it's become now, right? And the one thing that I always talk about with people is the guests we've had on, right? And um it is kind of wild to think that like people that are on ESPN and have been on ESPN have been on this show. That is kind of interesting to think about, you know, I'm just it is, it is. And the, obviously the Holy grail of our past guests that you've had on is Scott Van Pelt during the season of dreams. That's one it's, you know, tw- for as many faults as Twitter has, that's one of the positives of it because in an actual world without Twitter, we don't get Scott Van Pelt on our program. We have to back channel through so many different people to try and make that happen. You just fire off a tweet. He sees it. What time works for you? And bam, all of a sudden he's on the show. 
So that was obviously uh, the Holy Grail. But yes, we have had a, a nice list of guests, and the hope is that uh, we could get some of them to return. But uh, Sully, you, you mentioned how you've gotten out of the game. Uh, you refrained from talking about Dayton basketball until January one of this year to win a hundred right. bucks. Was it a hundred bucks? From yeah, a friend it was hundred bucks. A hundred dollars. You were and you were steadfast in your commitment, and you did it. My question for you is: Was there any time you were close to breaking? that vow no I, I really wasn't actually um believe it or not um because i i knew by january 1st that i would have things to say about dayton basketball but i really did kind of owe it to myself to take a step back and just let the season kind of um create itself right like i didn't really need to provide commentary in the first two months of the season anyway the way that i looked at it right i have my own decisions for for not doing the show as consistently as i do but i brought this up on the LaSalle podcast and i think it's super relevant when we look at the whole context of the season and my dad gave me this so i can't take full credit for my dad gave me this all right so he goes, there's three things that really get me interested in the Dayton season. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm always interested like you fans out there. But my dad said, there's three things that really get me interested. And, and they have to catch my attention in three different ways. He said, the Thanksgiving tournament, the exempt tournament, that's number one. Dayton's got to win two out of three. You got to have a strong showing or else you've really missed a golden opportunity. He said, that'll catch my attention. He said, then check. Dayton gets it. Right, check. And he goes, then Dayton's got to get a big win somewhere. And, you know, Dayton had a couple of pretty big wins. I mean, St. John's is a pretty big win. Cincinnati, SMU, those are kind of tilting in other directions right now. It's like Cincinnati's going downward. SMU is trending upward. Whatever. We got some good wins. That's check number two. And then he said, you get to the end of the year, you get to Christmas, and they haven't lost a bad game. Check three, right? And so, like, I think that was the simplest way that like my dad has a good way of simplifying basketball like that. Um, but those are the three things that have to happen for the average fan to truly get interested in Dayton basketball in January. And now, you know, we're into February recording January 1st. And, and I, and like, I implore people to kind of look at it that way because, and I'm almost like vindicating myself because the last three years, We've come on this show in January and February, and we've been like, shit, like there is not anything to talk about that's truly going to be relevant until like March, right? The first week of March, games that actually matter. But when the Flyers check those three boxes, we're talking about seating. We're talking about locations of the first round. We're not talking about like coaching deficiencies of Anthony Grant or like what's wrong with the roster. It's like, I hope people see now, and maybe people forgot, that in the last three years, we haven't had that anticipation. We haven't had games that have really meant something. We haven't had true consequences. And that's why, I don't want to say the narrative, but the commentary of the team has been so different the last three years than it is this year. Because, I mean, it's it's very reductive and simplistic to say, we have nothing to bitch about. But it, it's true. And the second layer of that is, every night there's just a little bit at stake. Right. Right. Correct. And I think those three points to, or check marks, if you will, in the non-conference are pretty good stepping stones to where you want a Dayton team to be going into conference play. You want them to be in a position. Be. Right. They have, they to, have be. to be. And right. when they are and when they are, the fan interest goes up because obviously there's 
way more people talking about Dayton basketball now than there were back in November when I was doing, you know, solo pods and pods with some other people. But it, but now we're at the point where we are kind of like nitpicking a little bit with how we view this Dayton basketball team. Cause if we're being honest, if you throw out the Rhode Island game, Dayton really hadn't played particularly well, but they had found ways to win. And ultimately, I don't like, think we're nitpicking. I don't think and that's, and that's what has be, like is important is just winning the, winning the games that is that are in front of you. And that leads right. us right into, right. And, and that leads us right into Richmond where Dayton goes on the road. Richmond's also undefeated. It's a quad two game. They're hyped up, sold out crowd. And, you know, Dayton kind of falls on their face. Deron Holmes doesn't play well. We don't shoot the ball well. I thought they got some good looks, but they just didn't go in. And you you end up losing by five on the road to a good Richmond team. I mean, they're eight no in the league. And I know the league isn't, you know, it's not the 2014 A10 anymore. And it never won will again be. tonight. It, they beat four yeah, they, spread. Yep. Right. And they won again tonight. You know, they may have one or they may have no losses. Who knows? We don't play them again. So they may have no losses. Then maybe they have one or two. So I think that race for the one seed, ultimately, you know, a conference tournament, one seed, two seed, like kind of doesn't really matter more so for draw stuff. But you wanted to see Dayton respond. And I thought they did a good job of that on, what was that, Tuesday, on Tuesday night against George Washington. But, you right. know, Sully, obviously you watched the game on Saturday. Do you feel the way that I felt? Like we didn't play, we obviously didn't play well at all. And we still only came up five points short. What were kind of your overall takeaways from the game in Richmond on Saturday? Um, well, I you know on Twitter, I I kind of put out the the big piece that I think a lot of people need to hear for some reason or another. I, I hate being like this voice of knowledge because there's a lot of fans that like know what they're talking about, but a lot of you listening to this are stupid and don't know what the fuck you're talking about. If I'm being honest, all right. So if you're one of those people that's listening to this and doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about, number one, you probably don't know it, but. Number two, sometimes I have to just put truth out into the world. And I mean, the truth of the matter was, again, going back to the last three seasons, I think people have forgotten that I'm just going to tell it like it is instead of like always being negative. I'm really not always negative. It's just there was a lot of shit to be negative about the last three seasons. I think we can all agree on this podcast, sure. right? Sure. But um, number one, no big deal. Right. The Flyers right. drop like two spots in Ken Palm, one spot in the net or two spots like every ranking. It went nowhere. Q1 loss. No big deal. Literally no big deal. And but the the second layer that I said was I'm still not convinced this is a great team. And I wasn't going into the into the night. Right. Because in the same way that you have to make those checkpoints in the non-conference, I'm sitting here saying you have to make those kind of same steps in the conference play and think about like all the great teams Dayton has had. And I'm actually right now comparing this to like the 2004 team or the 2003 team where like 2003, they like were a really good team. They got a four seed, but they could never beat Xavier, right? Like there was like this one team that got them. And then you say, okay, well, is that the blueprint for how to beat the Flyers? And then they end up losing the first round, right? And then in 2004, same thing. You're like, is this team any good? Are we sure they didn't have any huge wins? They end up getting a, a seven seed, I think, or a 10 seed. It was seven, a seven, 10 game. Seven, yeah, it was seven. They lose in the first round. But the team that I'm comparing them the most to right now is 2017, the last Scoochie, Kyle, Kendall, and Cook year. Because if you remember, 
They went through that non-conference. They didn't beat anybody of like real substance. Got a couple good wins. They didn't fall on their face besides like a a Nebraska loss, I think. Um, But we walk through the conference season and we go, "Are, are we sure this is a really good team? Like we think they're good. And then, of course, they got a bad matchup. They go out in the first round, and they lost in the first round of the A-10 tournament. Yep. I, I didn't make to, I didn't mean to make this point so long, but I, I draw those conclusions because the three teams I just mentioned were bona fide NCAA tournament teams, no doubt about it. That's why they got in. They all lost in the first round. I'm starting to draw a lot of parallels with this team in that they haven't taken that next step yet. Right. Yeah. Where they came into conference play and said they got a good resume. But look what's happened since conference play has started. They struggled against a mediocre UMass team. They struggled against a bad, bad St. Louis team. And they, you know, since then, okay, they put together a couple good efforts. LaSalle wasn't in question. And then they played really poorly against, let's be honest, a Richmond team that's probably not going to the NCAA tournament if they don't win the A10, the A10 tournament. Right. So, I know we were like going to talk about Richmond specifically, but now that it's two nights past, it's like what I'm looking for is like that dominant performance. What I'm looking for is the Flyers to like separate themselves from the rest of the conference. And I mean, call me crazy, but like, do you feel like Dayton has separated themselves clearly from the rest of the conference? Because a bunch of white collar wearing Richmond graduates would disagree with you, sir. For for, for sure. And you're going to start seeing, you know, like I said, this league isn't going to be mistaken for the the Atlantic 10 of 2014, but you are no. your next, your next three games are against teams that are in the upper half of the league. You have right. Bonaventure at home on Friday, you go to St. Joe's and you go to VCU, right? If they come out of those games three and O with two double digit wins. So assuming one of That's them is against step. Bonaventure at home, That's a state, then you beat right. St. Joe's or VCU on the road. By double did like one of those two by double digits. That is the statement where Sully's talking about, and that we, we right. want to see because then you know right. that you're you're taking that step forward. And I think the key to getting those are having two guys outside of Deron Holmes score fourteen plus points. I think that's even the number. Digits. Even yeah. double digits, but like if you get two guys, like on Tuesday night, you had Santos with seventeen all in the first half, and you had Brea with I think it was fifteen, and then you had Holmes with 24 or whatever he had. And right. now you beat a, you beat a team that you should beat by 20, you know, 20 plus points that I think that right. is the key to Dayton playing very well. And then when you get into those March games, you cannot just rely on 15. Yes. 15 will get you out of a lot of bad situations. He will right. help you in a possession by possession basis. He is the guy that you can give the ball to and he can get you a bucket, but through the course of a game and through the course of a season, you need somebody. You need two other guys to step up and take the reins because when a game like Saturday happens, when Duran struggles, and he's going to, he's not perfect. No basketball player yeah. is. It's college basketball. No player. Everybody is game go plans out. around him. Everybody right. game plans around. Him. He's the top of the scouting report of every opposing coach. The first person they talk about is number fifteen in red, or fifteen in white, or fifteen in blue. Whoever they're playing that night, he is the first thing they are talking about. So you need someone else to pick up the slack and take the reins when Duran is kind of out of it. And I felt right. like we didn't do that on Saturday, and we did do that on Tuesday because he came out slow 
and Santos picked up the slack. Kobe picked up the slack. And then in the second half, Deron implored his will and completely dominated the rest of the game. And that just didn't happen on Saturday. Yeah, no, it didn't happen um, because he's going to run up against teams that, that can scout well. I mean, you know, we bitched about Mooney and they've had the fire Mooney mafia, but like, Chris Mooney is is like a legitimate college basketball coach. Okay, yep. if he got fired by Richmond, he get hired by somebody the next day. You know, he, he's so. le- yes. you know he he's had his failings, but he's a legitimate college basketball coach, right? And they had a good game plan. So I guess we can turn this next segment into like, okay, Dayton's, uh, you know, th- they're rolling. They're seventeen and three. They've only lost one game since Thanksgiving. Okay, let's start to talk about the things that concern us because. I, I did get a little bit of that pushback, which gave me like a lot of vindication this past weekend when I, I didn't say I don't, I don't think a single negative thing about the flyers all weekend. I was like, this loss is no big deal. I still got vitriol yep. on Twitter. Great. It was amazing. You just had um, that effect on people. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, So they're 17 and three. So again, let's, let's take it a step further. Like what concerns me about the state and flyers team, right? contextually, they haven't taken the next step to separate themselves from a bad conference. That's number one. We've already gone into that in detail. Number two kind of showed its face on Saturday night against Richmond. Dayton becomes extremely one-dimensional when you take Holmes out of the game, and they cannot afford to be that way. Like, you saw what happens when they take Holmes out of the game. Dayton ended up shooting 33 three-pointers. And they were 20, uh, 10 for 26 from two-point range. So they took seven more shots from downtown than they did from inside the arc. Let me tell you, that's not going to fucking work for this team. It's not. Okay? Like, they're shooting 40% on the year. But when you become one-dimensional and that's all you're trying to do, you're not going to shoot 40%, which is why they had such a field day against teams like George Washington. Because when Deron Holmes is going 9 for 13 in the paint and scoring 25 you have to sag off, then that creates space for the shooters. So the number two thing that concerns me is who does Dayton become without Duran Holmes? And to your point, I put this on Twitter after the Richmond game, two out of the three of Santos, Bennett, and Elvis has to give us like a 10 to 15 point effort. Two out of three must, because yep. Ray is kind of getting to that point that like, he's like um, competent defense, Luke Fabrizius. Like, yeah, he's going to come off the bench and he's going to probably plop in too. my boy, Luke Fab. I love him, but he, he won't. He wasn't a stalwart on the defensive end. No, no one mis- mistook played. him for a <laughs> shutdown defender. Yeah, he went. Yeah, Shout out Luke, he, though. Luke was great. Yeah, I, I love Luke Fab. He's, he's a friend of mine. But like Brea is actually a very good bench guy. He should probably get some more minutes. I think that like him, Bennett, um, Elvis, I guess Elvis or um, sorry, Bennett's probably just going to end up playing more point guard than we think, because we don't have anybody else. And when Elvis goes to the point guard spot, it's always bad. So, you know, you're looking at Javon Bennett taking 35 minutes a night with Holmes. So then, you know, that leaves you with the other three guys. And, um, you know, unfortunately those scores haven't been consistent. Right. So that's, that's number two. Um, And I guess it it all kind of blends itself into that third point with depth scoring, but, but that's what it is right now, man. It's like, who does Dayton become when you take Holmes out of the game? Then where are they going to get that depth scoring from? Because I think the three guys we just mentioned are going to be the X factor, whether Dayton wins a game, a big game in March. I mean, do you agree or disagree? I, I would agree with that. And to your minutes point, uh, Javon Bennett led the team in minutes on Saturday against Richmond with 38. 
Uh, Kobe Brea, he has for, to. For sake of comparison, played 27. Uh, Deron Holmes only played 25, obviously was in foul trouble. And I, you know what? Hand up. I'm going to take uh, take it on this one. Uh, I said to my father, uh, I believe this was Friday or Saturday or whatever day it was. It was before the game. I said, man, yeah. you want to know something that Deron Holmes does really well? He does get in foul trouble. And he no. promptly, gets, promptly gets in foul trouble the very next game. So right, obviously yeah, yeah. it's one you game in foul trouble. Yeah, and foul trouble is going to happen. But it just so happened to come immediately after I said all those things. But looking at the uh, the George Washington game in terms of like minutes distribution, which obviously this is going to be kind of skewed because we took guys out. But uh, Javon Bennett played 28. Deron had 31, led the team. Uh, Kobe Brea played 28, which is more than Kobe Elvis. Like Kobe Elvis only played 26. Now, again, that's kind of skewed because the game was in hand already in the second half, so it's kind of hard to draw conclusions from that. But that's the kind of minutes distribution you're going to see is Bennett's probably going to lead the team in minutes if it's not Deron Holmes. If it's right, if Deron's right, like, it, all, yeah, like okay. in foul trouble or whatever, Javon Bennett is going to be your leader in minutes. And that's where, you know, as people like people made the take, like, is Malachi Smith like actually good for Dayton? And I want to smack people in the face who think he's not because – like he gives you defense and he gives you ball handling depth and ball handling depth is something that we do not have now credit to Bennett because he's very good at taking care of the basketball and we're going to start yeah. seeing pressure a lot. And that's going to be very, very important as we go down the stretch is taking care of the basketball and to Bennett's credit, he does a very good job of that. Right. And so that, that kind of leads me into that last point, man. Like if we're going to wrap up a segment, like what concerns me at this point in the season, the last thing is the depth. And it's, yep. you know, I, so many people have asked me and and I do get a kick out of this at some point where they're like, well, I'd love to get some more minutes for like Petrus and Zimmy and blah, blah. People, that's not going to happen. Like Anthony Grant whittles down the rotation. Like, I don't know how many times I can say things where it's like, Grant is not going to change. Like we're running the same offense we've always been running. Dayton's making 40% of their threes and they're not turning the ball over and they're getting to the free throw line. Like, nothing's changed. We're just doing things better. Which we're is we're like, executing it better. Right. It's like we're executing. We're doing the things that Grant wants us to do. Right. Or wants right. the team to do it. I know I don't play for him. Um, but the depth is the, is the big thing that's boy, it's, it's scary, man. It's really thin ice because again, Grant's not going to change shit on as far as how many guys he gets into the rotation and every season now, probably except for the first one, it's down to seven and a half, eight guys by this time. And guess what? That's exactly where we are right now. You got Holmes, Elvis, Santos, Bennett, and Cheeks. And then coming off the bench, you got Brea and you got Jack and Zimmy. He's going to play some nights, other nights he's not. I, yep. I still I think the, the rotation is seven and a half. It's We have right. seven and a half players with Petrus and Zimmy being that little half because – it's, right. it's, so, it's like a it's like a practice by practice basis of which one Grant wants to play. Right. And so to to go off of what you just said, um, you know, people have this recency bias. And I think that's why I like the more years I do this, I get to draw some of these comparisons, to these older teams. But like how quickly people forget that during the Dayton 2014 a 10 or uh, NCAA tournament run, Scoochie Smith as a freshman was averaging like 10 to 14 minutes a night, 10, 10 to 20 minutes. He played like 14. I'm looking at it right now. I pulled it up 14, 18, 22. And in the last game, he played 25 minutes. 
Kari Price played 16 minutes, 19 minutes, and 22 minutes. Like, those guys were literally splitting shifts in the NCAA tournament. So if you say to yourself, like, would Mally Smith help this team? Fuck yeah, you idiot. Smack yourself in the head. Yes, he would help us because they could actually have a 50-50 split on the point guard minutes. And, you know, both of those guys, I mean, Mally Smith was obviously turning the ball over a little more than Bennett. But, like, depth is so key. And it's like we made that run in 2014 because they had 10 guys. Like, that right. is why they made the run. Because they were hard to defend. They threw like two different looks at you every single game. And they moved really hard. Like they, they moved fast and they played at a very up-tempo because they could. They had a lot of guys. Right. But that's not going to be the case. So it's like, yeah, what concerns me, man, is if anybody goes down at this point, we are seriously effed. Because think about, I mean, think about any injury in your head right now. Right? There's not a single guy we could afford to lose out of that seven not even jack right because even if you lose jack then deron holmes has to play 40 minutes a night if if you lose brea then you have no three-point shooting threat coming off the bench i mean that it's it's paper thin and that it it worries me you know yeah and you're rightfully so and you know that's and that's kind of the way the the game goes is you know some teams they do have that depth and other teams Sometimes they're better off for it for having that seven to eight man rotation. You know, sometimes the coach can get a little too lost in the sauce when it comes to rotating guys in. And I think it's a problem that Wes Miller runs into at UC um, is he wants to play 11 guys, but it's like, yo, man, you only got nine. Like, you got to play. You got to play those nine. And and I, I think it's a problem that a lot of coaches run into. And it's a hard, you know, it's a hard line to to balance is what is the right number of guys to play and how, what are the minute distribution and how does it all work? And yeah, you're right. Like you said, think of any injury in your head and the one that popped into my head, I'm not going to say it out loud to put it into the ether, but it was, it was uh not good. Put it that way. Yeah, right, not right. good. Any of and, them, dude. Right. Any of them. And it wasn't like, and it wasn't Duran. Like it wasn't 15 that I was worried about, but that's, you know, Dayton is, we are where we are. And we have the rotation set and it's when the games are tight, we're going to have six guys playing over 30 minutes. That's just the way it is yeah, right. the way of the road. And that's how it's going to go. But uh, we've dwelled on the past couple of games here. As, as I like to say, I like to look forward, not backwards. We're going to look forward. We're looking forward to Friday, Friday night, sock hop at the arena against St. Bonaventure, a team that Dayton is low key owned the last like 10 time, years. Time you ready. Or so, yeah, and so I came you, with you got them. Com- Ooh, you, you come prepared? I'm ready. Oh, Let's come hit on. it. Come on. This, this is still my show. Like, you know, when you really think about it, you know, I wasn't going to come prepare trivia. Give me it. All right. Here. Hit, hit, hit me with it. All right. Um, so this is the 37th meeting between the Flyers and the Bonnies of Ole in New York. 37th meeting. So we've played 36 at this point. What is the Flyers record? in 36 meetings since joining the A-10 conference in the 95 season. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
guidebook, guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 27 and 9. Really close. 26 and 10. Really good guess. I had 26 and 10 and I bumped up one more win. Uh, I knew it was like, I knew it was up there. I knew the winning percentage was pretty darn good. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's way up there. Um, As far as a winning percentage, Dayton has won 13 of the last 15 contests against the Bonnie uh, Bonaventure Bonnie's uh, started the series slow, but uh, yeah, recently it's been nothing but domination. Um, the loan losses are obviously last year. And then uh, that 2016 loss at home, who could forget that one? Dayton was ranked uh, early Saturday afternoon. So yeah, they have on, they've owned them. Um, but uh, are we going to the game plan? Is that what you want from me? Like a little game plan? What are we looking well, just, at with Mark? Smith? So just looking at like the team stats here, comparison on ESPN, uh, Dayton ha- averages more rebounds per game than Bonaventure does. And if a team that uh, rebounds as shitty as Dayton does, which they've gotten better uh, in the past several games, but uh, we score more points than them. We give up less points than them. We shoot better from the field. We shoot better from three. We have three more assists than them a game. Uh, the only thing that we they lead us in is steals per game. And I think with how Dayton takes care of the ball, that should kind of sort itself out. So what I'm getting at here is that this is a game that Dayton – should win and I think should win by double digits. I don't know what the line is. The line's probably not out yet, but it's Friday night. It, from what I've gathered on social media, they're going to be wearing the blues again, which I believe Dayton is undefeated in since they brought him back. So right. I cannot remember a loss in the baby in the chapel blues. So they're breaking those out again for Friday night. So it should be a, a wild one at the arena. Are you going? I will be there. I will be in attendance. Uh, bring it, bring Mrs. Sully and the whole gang will be in attendance, um, which is going to be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Living in Pittsburgh is, is good for that reason. Friday afternoon games are very attainable. 
Um, in case anybody's never done the math, when you live in Chicago, not only do you have to drive an hour further than where I live now, but you also lose the hour. So you got to leave by about 11, 30, 12 o'clock if you want to make it. And um, yeah, so I'll be there. Um, to your point, Drew, I, I think there's a lot of games I get worried about. Um, I'll be honest. I was very worried about the Richmond game. Not on paper. I was the too. analytics said that I shouldn't be. But there was something about that morning when I woke up. I had a really weird feeling. I know it's easy to say after the fact, but I just felt weird. I say that, and I still bet $200 on the Flyers to win, so I don't want anybody coming at me being like, oh, you're saying it after the fact. I lost a lot of fucking money on that game, all right? And I, I bet with my heart, and that's why you don't bet with your heart, dumbasses. Correct. Don't bet with your heart. Bet bet the analytics and what they tell you. But the analytics said bet, Dayton. I digress. So I don't really get worried about Bonaventure. Um, you know, Grant has all Grant has matched up well against a couple guys in the conference. Um, McKillops, various McKillops, he always beats Davidson yep. for some reason or another. He has he hadn't lost a game against Bonaventure up until last season. Um, and there's one other team that's escaping me right off the top of my head. But you know, St. Grant Lewis. has these say eh, well the first first year Grant first, lost to St. Louis. He's lost a couple of games. Uh Duquesne, Duquesne. We always win. Yeah, Duquesne, Duquesne. yeah. So, um, you know, we have a couple of these programs that are like this. And, I, you know, Bonaventure is just like that. Um, but what I'll say for everybody, like, on paper, is that this is a perfect matchup for UD where Bonaventure would rather get you into a slugfest and beat you than score 90 points. Um, I know they did that against St. Joe's the other night. That was a little bit of an outlier. They scored 91 points. Um, they, they shot the ball really well. You know, they they shot 68% from the floor. Like, that, that's just not going to happen most nights. So, you know, Bonaventure does like to make it ugly, slow it down a little bit, uh, and play slower, and that feeds right into Dayton. Uh, one thing Bonaventure does is they foul a lot and they play physical. Guess what? Dayton goes to the free throw line a whole lot. Bonaventure doesn't have great three-point shooting defense. They give up a lot of point distribution to the three-point line. That favors Dayton as well. And, and you know, you're going to have a mismatch with Deron Holmes. So uh, analytics say it's an eight-point Dayton win. I think the, the line will be somewhere in there, seven to ten points. Um, I, I'm just having a really hard time getting getting scared about this one, man. Where are you at? I mean, I think Dayton, Dayton wins comfortably. I know people... You know, like, oh God, I, I pretty much echo everything you said there. Bonaventure yeah, hasn't really scared me in years past. They don't scare me now. Uh, they did have a pretty impressive comeback last night uh, against VCU, trailing 13 at the half. They outscore them 41-23 to win that game by five. So I think they were down 20 at one point. So uh, file that under things you hate to see. Um, well, but that's, yeah, that's like, exactly the point, though. That is a thing that could get Dayton, right? Is it? remember the one thing this team hasn't really done is like put teams away consistently. And I yeah. said this to, I think the slew guys where I was like, the one thing that like Dayton's got to start doing is, is putting teams away and not giving them a chance to feel like they could steal it. So to your point, Bonaventure is a team that can come back. You know, they, they always feel like they're not out of it. It behooves Dayton to like, not give them that moment where we're sitting around on Friday night and, and the Bonaventure team's in the huddle like, hey, we can fucking steal this thing. Right. That's the death. No, we don't, can't have that. Don't start the game like you did Tuesday night. Don't be right. don't have one point at the under 16 timeout because oh, then that God, will give yeah, no. then that will give them some belief. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in like a two possession game down the stretch where, you know, it's sweaty palms time at UD Arena. And 
and you find yourself in that kind of dogfight that you just don't want to be in with a team like, say, Bonaventure. But I think they do. Dayton's played well at home this year. They obviously have not lost at home this year. Uh, obviously, right. the, the boat racing of Rhode Island was pretty eye-opening. Like, that's the kind of game you want to see nice. Dayton play again. And that's, you know, as per I talked about how, like, Dayton really hasn't played all that well in the A-10 season leading up that Richmond game. But it also conveniently leaves out the Rhode Island ass-kicking that was, and that was 40 minutes of it. I mean, it was, the ball was tipped and the game was over effectively. And that That is the kind, and that is the, yes, that was a lot of fun. And that's the kind of thing you want to see. So we'll, you know, Dayton gets Bonaventure. We're going to transition this right into our little A-10 rundown. So I've got something for you here, Sully. How many games do you think separate fourth place in the conference and 11th place in the conference? Without looking at it, uh, yeah, I'll go two. It's two, yeah, two games. Yeah, like yeah, two the games team, the separate. Terrible. Two, yeah. two, t- two games separate fourth place VCU, and what would that be? 16, 15, 14. Yeah, eleventh place George Washington. So yeah, the the middle of this league, it's just a it's a it's a mess and it's a debacle. Um, I actually so, one of the another reason I wanted to talk to you about uh, the A ten. Uh, you were very vocal about Loyola Chicago's move to the Atlantic 10 uh, when they were when they were brought on board. They sit at six and two, two games back of Richmond, obviously Dayton at seven and one. Uh, have you what have you caught any of their games this year? Do you think that this is sustainable for them? Do you think it's kind of fugazi? What, what's your read on Loyola? No, Loyola is like the poster child for like everything that's wrong with this conference right now. Like I'm being honest. They're six and two in the conference. They're 120 in Ken Palm. Right. Like they've lost to Illinois, Chicago at home. They lost yep. to yep. South Florida on the road. Like this is the problem right now that I feel like people just are not appreciating is like the Flyers have to go now to Loyola and play a Q2 game, which turned into a Q2 game in a tiny ass little fucking gym in Chicago that's going to be packed, hopefully, with half Flyers. And the third best team in the conference is 120 net. Like yep. that is the biggest effing problem with the conference. So I'll do this for you right now. Okay. I, I hate to keep shifting this, but like, it does feel like people kind of need some context of like how far we've fallen. Right. So I took a look really quickly while you're talking 10 years ago in 2014, the last time the A-10 had six bids, right. It was their best year. In Ken Palm, they have the plus minus rating of like how you would go against the average team in conference play, right? And the zero is the baseline. Right now, the A10 is at a plus four. The best conference in the country at this juncture is the Big 12. They're at a plus 17. Okay. So there's all varying Makes degrees. Sense. So plus four, plus 17. All right. So in 2014, all right, the best conference was a plus 17. Or, or sorry, I, I I just clicked on it and it didn't go all the way through. So in 2014, the best conference was a 15, all right, plus 15. The A10 was a plus nine, okay? That means the A10 was twice as good analytically 10 years ago than it is right now. And if you go back to 2014, the third best team in the conference was George Washington, who got a nine seed. A nine seed. Yeah. Loyola isn't even going to get in the NIT, if things keep going this way. So it's like, 
man, it's crazy to sit here. And like, I think Loyola's ass. I think they're a horrible addition to the, the conference. You know that. I've been harping on that. It's a joke. They're in, even in our conference. They should be back in the Missouri Valley, just, you know, churning out bids and keeping things rolling. But instead, you know what they're going to do? They're going to keep fucking things up in the A-10. They're going to win way too many games. And a bunch of teams that stink are going to, They're. I mean, they're going to be outed as fraudulent, right? Like, I, I, it's it's really frustrating to look at the bottom and even the middle of the conference right now, because what we've done in the last five years is the ceiling of the A-10 has gone down and the floor has gone up. And now what it's created is just like a muck of like NIT teams. And that sucks, man, because like, do you think Loyola should be the third best team in this conference? I mean, no, absolutely not. Sucks. No, it, yeah, not, absolutely not. And I just wanted to get you going on that tangent because I know how you feel about it. And I, I know, it, I know. I got I got exactly what I wanted out of that. Well, okay, well, <laughs> let's put it this way. I just looked up UMass, right? Our 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 pathetic friends at UMass who are always just doing what they're doing out there. They're four and four in the conference, and they're thirty spots higher than Loyola. Thirty. Like, yeah. what the fuck are we doing here? Jesus. And, yeah, the, the team that really spit the bit when it came to the A10 this year was St. Joe's. Everyone thought in the non-conference, they had some good wins. They beat Nova. Right. A lot of people thought like, ooh, like them and Dayton maybe could have two teams with at-large bids, and they they spit the bit there. They completely oh, they completely ruined that proposition very, very early on into A-10 play. They also sit in this absolute gargantuan mess of four and four teams uh, like George Mason. Right. Rhode Island is four and four. UMass is four and four. And then you get into like Fordham, who's back to not quite being Fordham, but they're trending back into where they usually are. Actually, the uh, a little throwback here to our our olden days: the uh, Fordham Memorial Last Place Trophy, currently St. Louis. Uh, Travis Ford, shout out to Travis Ford, uh, and I don't know if he negotiated it himself shout or if man. his agent did it, but getting a ten million dollar buyout out of St. Louis, so <laughs> that right. is I got unbelievable. I got one more for you since we're we're talking about conference futility and I'm unloading the clip because I haven't been on in a while. So I guess we're going to, you know, we're going to keep doing it. this more. Yeah. Uh, so it took a quick look. Um, Dayton's three and three in the quad one. Do you want to take a guess at how many quad one wins the rest of the conference has? I'm going to go with two. They have three. And one of those is against fucking Dayton. They have the whole, oh, so we're counting that one. Okay. The whole conference has three quad one wins and one is against Dayton. Like right. that's what we're talking about. And that's why it's like, I saw some tweet about the a 10 conference or, or like from their account that was like, Oh, we're building on this non-conference. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? Like the a 10 is in the worst basketball position they've been in, in like the last 20 years. And they did it because they added a bunch of really mediocre programs like yep. David's taking a step down. George Mason's always stunk when they've got in, right? Or, or since they've got in. Now you got Loyola, and it's like, man, uh, we can move on after this because this is a Dayton podcast, well, not like Bishop the A10. Right. But <laughs> this year, it's like we're grasping straws to find the second team that can get in, and it's you know Richmond barely has that door open right now. Barely. They would have to like they would have to run. They would need to go eighteen and 0, 17 and one. I think yeah. if they if they did that. Then I think they, you know, their resume would build upon. They would it would be more of the quantity over quality, and yep. that's where it gets murky when you when you go that route. But 
if they went 17 and one, like got the one seed, and they get it. And, and yep. again, like I, I want to say like, and if they had a run to like the final of the a 10 tournament, but what I've learned in the last three years now is that results in the conference tournament do not matter. The committee does not give one single shit about what you do in the Atlanta, in whatever conference tournament you're in. It doesn't matter it from, from the big 12 down to the a sun, the committee does not care what you do in the conference tournament. So all your hay needs to be made between November and the end of February. And the conference tournament straight up doesn't matter. So like I said, well, we can, we can close it. We can close the eight ten discussion at that point. Um, I do want to read off a couple of the scores here from tonight because something caught my eye. Especially this with an eight ten rundown. We, we kind of went the other way on that. Indulge me here. For some reason, Duquesne played Chicago state tonight. What the hell is that about? I, I, you know, I, I live in Pittsburgh. I went to the bar tonight uh, with my wife to have dinner and we sat down at the bar and I got reminded of it. And I was like, it was Duquesne on one screen and Pitt was on the other. And I was like, why in the hell are they playing a non-conference game tonight? I don't know. I'm sorry. I've never I seen that. I, I, I tried to think about it. I was like, when is the last time an A-10 team in the middle of its season played a non-conference game? Did like Dan Brod know he was going to shit the bed in A-10 play? Again, yeah, it was it, it was a get right game, you know, yeah, like that's smart. And again, I'm that's tired. Smart. I'm done. Uh, this is the last thing I'll say. And then we can move on to Red Panda discussion because there's we got a lot to discuss there. I'm out on Keith Dambrot. I'm out on Duquesne. I'm oh, tired of no. it. I'm tired of it. Every year we go into a 10 play and everyone's like, look out for Duquesne. This is Dambrot's got these boys playing well. And where are they, where are they at? Two and five. Frauds. Frauds. Two, two and five. Frauds. <laughs> Capital F. All uppercase frauds. Okay. Anyway, shifting gears right. here. Smooth transition. Um, I don't. Some of you may have seen on Twitter. If you didn't, uh, me and Sully came on this podcast last year, and we discussed a certain halftime entertainment legend, goat. I would even say, and I, I, I've never stated otherwise. She is the goat. But last year, I came on the show and was set up to say that Red Panda was washed, and it turns out it was just all a ploy by Sully here to get at me a whole year later when uh, Panda, she's found her form again, good on her. She got back in the gym. I, I, I picture a Rocky, like a Rocky training montage, hearts on fire, right. playing. Right. She's just, she's in Siberia for whatever reason, just flipping bowls onto her head. Uh, she's right. back. Uh, but Sully absolutely put me on blast. So Sully, even though you and I were kind of in agreement on this, uh, you just, you came out guns blazing on Twitter uh, at your boy. Yeah, no, it was a it was a good jab because uh, let's be honest. I mean, Red Panda's just she's, she's in the league of her own. She's in the yeah, league of her is. own. She's dude. the goat. And I never stated otherwise either. I may have said she was washed up, but you know what? Tom Brady was washed up at a point too. It still didn't change the fact that he was the goat. Red Panda uh, okay. is the goat. All right, no, so watched, yeah, there's a lot of washed up athletes out there, but that's it's not her. She's still doing what she does. She's she, still doing the damn that thing. Asian woman her. loves flipping fucking bowls on and her. She head, does, dude. right? Truly, truly, it like married to the game. She's truly, yep. truly married. You can't say that about a lot of people. She's married to the game. All right, Sully. Uh, I think that about covers everything. Uh, it was great to have you back. Obviously, you're going to be coming back on with a little more frequency here. Uh, how much did you miss it? Truthfully, oh, I I do miss the the podcast like stuff um, because, you know, I have like I do still have stuff to unload, um, you know, as far as like, here's how I'm feeling about this or that. But, you know, it's kind of like this 
really adult exercise and just fully realizing that like your opinion, like just doesn't always have to be out there. And, and I think that that's one of the biggest issues between like my break in um, or my break in philosophy between like why I'm not in the media. Right. Because I've, I've had multiple opportunities now to be in the media at, on multiple different occasions at multiple points in my life. And um, it's hard because like this past week, you you basically what's hard is you have to choose the path that you want to go down right and if you want to be like shock jock media you want to be skip bayless that's lucrative if you want to just you know do the honest beat coverage like jablo is super good at just being like here's the facts and here's the coverage and he, you know this is it right he, he covers it like a true professional and, and you kind of have to choose that path or like honest coverage right and we saw over the last what week here if you're on college basketball Twitter, like there was this huge kerfuffle because some guy put out like an uncopyrighted documentary about Providence and then guys on the field of 68 network, Doster and Goodman, they got all mad about it and they defend their, their guys and their coaches and their media members. And it was all this little back and forth, but it prompted a larger discussion for me to say, you can either be honest media or you can be friends and pals with the subjects that you're covering, but you really can't do both. Right. And I feel like if I was ever going to go down that path and just like be true media, it's like I, I feel like I would only be able to ruffle feathers and just be like brutally honest about stuff. And let's be real, dude. Like, you know, you're in sports media now. There is a very fine line on that. And it's a lot finer than lines in most media, especially in college sports. Like you cannot be going out there in public and just like, you know, laying waste to kids like playing poorly or whatever, right? And that's hard because, like, I don't subscribe to that theory. They're athletes, they're adults, they're getting paid just yep. like everybody else now. So, like, you know, you got you to gotta miss me with, like, the violin shit about, like, oh, be nice to the kids and all this. Like, bullshit. You know, especially with the transfer portal, it's it's all a business transaction. I, I don't care about the kids personally like we all used to. And I don't mean that to say, like, I don't care about kids, but, like, you know, the guys that used to play for Dayton, they would play for three, four years. You get to know them. You get to know who they are. Nowadays, guys transfer in and out. It's a business transaction. Put on the jersey and produce. You know, you're you're getting paid a salary basically to come in here and produce. And it's like, I, I think it's a diatribe a little bit, but um, it's getting harder to be honest in college athletics about what's going on just in general. I mean, do you feel that way? Yeah, I, I do. And, and I also subscribe to the adage like, you know, it's not the like, oh, they're just kids thing anymore. You know, these 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 kids are making they're not they're, ma not. they're making twice what I make in my in my life of a career and to play college basketball, to to be kings on campus and do all these things. And, you know, and that's why, like, especially in college, people like will attack the coach for anything, like anything like someone sure. doesn't box out. Oh, well, the coach isn't teaching them how to box out I'm like probably not true man you know they probably yeah. talk about they probably talk about rebounding every freaking day in practice if I had to right. guess they're talking about how they need to improve their rebounding every day in practice but you know what sometimes the kids don't go out and do it and sometimes it needs to be said that way and right. and and now like you said with NIL and these kids getting paid now like that little like shield that they used to have in my opinion you know and this is just me talking I could be way out of pocket and I could have angry people in my mentions, you know, by noon on Thursday, but 
it is what it is, man. Like you got to go out and perform. And if you don't, Dude. you're going to find yourself playing ball at a different school next year. And right. for probably it, a less rate. Cause the only, there's only one player on this roster that I think could transfer up and that's Deron Holmes. And he's going to do the right. biggest transfer up of them all and go pro. Right. Right. And so like, you know, I, I took, you know, the question in kind of a different direction, but I missed the commentary um, aspect of it, but I did realize at a certain point that like I was going to take one fork in the road, right? Like I'm not going to be buddies with like a fucking basketball coach just to like curry favor about like the opinion of his team. Like I don't, you know, I'm not buddies with Anthony Grant when he sucks. I says he sucks when he does stuff. that's good. I say that too. You know, it's really easy for me to just be honest about stuff. But, you know, I have other factors in my life right now that, like, it doesn't pay the bills for me to be honest about stuff. If you can read between right. the lines there, you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, I, I miss I miss like the camaraderie of it. But, you know, I'm doing all these like interviews now. You know, I get to come back on with you because you, you've, you know, kept things going as well as as well as you should have. Um, but uh you know, I, I always love talking to guys at the conference. So this is the guys at LaSalle. You know, we're all just the same type of dudes that love college basketball that wear different colored shirts. And we've always said that on the show. And yep. so um, yep. this is the part that I miss. Like I, I said, January, February, first couple weeks of March. That's that's when you make the hay, man. That's when we're on all every week. Right. That's when we're talking about games. Miss that. But I will say I don't miss the shit that comes before it because the grind for all of you out there is the October to January 15th. That's the yep. grind. Yep. And that's what separates the men who can do this for a career from the boys who do it for fun and then, like myself, get out. Is because you got to dedicate those Thanksgivings with the family where you're watching hoops. You got to, you know, be on Christmas break or whatever. And, you know, some fucking stupid game against who do we play in December, right? In the 29th. We're going to crush somebody over Christmas break and you have to digest it and report about it. It's like that, that is the stuff that I don't miss. Um, but I didn't go anywhere, man. I'm still here. I'm still on Twitter. Still comment about the flyers. Go, still He's going still to around. Games. He still can be found. Yeah. yeah. Whether great, at UD arena be back. Or, or in his beloved Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think that's a good place to tie a bow on tonight. Sully. I'm sure we will do this again uh, before the end of the season. Uh, we have two rules on this show. Do you remember what they are? Of course I do. I invented them. You wear red and you be loud. He said it, folks. Uh, Flyers and Bonnies, tip it up on Friday night. Hope to see you all there. I will be there. Sully will be there. Hoping for another big Flyers victory. Uh, I don't know what the spread is, but you know what? Fuck it. Take it. Dayton's going to cover it. Uh, with On that note, Sully said the rules. You wear red. Well, actually, I think Friday it's you wear chapel blue and you be loud. And we'll see you then. Go Flyers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.